Hello and welcome to the Thrive at Kansas State University podcast, brought to you by the Morrison Family Center for Student Wellbeing. Today, we're happy to introduce our second episode of a new podcast series, Student Stories. In today's episode, Emotional Wellbeing, we talk with Cassidy Johnson and Delaney Kemp, both members of the Kansas State track and cross country teams. Cassidy is a fifth year senior, double majoring in dietetics and Spanish, and Delaney Kemp is a third year senior studying kinesiology on the pre-health track. We had a great conversation with these girls today and they provided awesome insight on their mental and emotional growth during their time at Kansas State, sharing resources they've used and organizations they've been a part of. Stay tuned for more episodes like this one of students sharing their journeys to well-being. And if you're looking for any resources at Kansas State, check out the show notes of this episode to find any of the resources and organizations that we talked about today. My name is Macy Hines, Health Communications Intern at the Morrison Family Center for Student Wellbeing, along with Chris Bowman, Director of the Wellbeing Center. This is Thrive at Kansas State University, Student Stories. We hope you enjoy the episode. So, but anyway, well, th- I'm going to take that as a compliment. Is what I'm gonna yes. Take oh, for yep. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't have quite the radio voice Chris has, but anyway. <laughs> All right. I'm going to turn it over to you, Macy. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So. I guess welcome to the podcast, girls. Thank you. Thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you. First time podcasters or guest says podcasters. Yeah, yes. first time ever. Okay, good deal. Well, I guess to get started, do you each want to maybe introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe what brought you to K-State, what you're studying, um, and anything else you think is important in introducing yourself? Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it away. All right. So I'm Cassidy Johnson. I will be honest and say that athletics was my biggest pull for coming to K-State, but they also had my majors, which is a pretty important one. So I'm majoring in dietetics and Spanish, and I'm in my fifth year set to graduate in May. So that's very exciting. Um, But it also got me out of my hometown, which is Wichita, but it was still close enough to kind of be, you know, close to family, close enough for comfort. Um, So, yeah. She has an impressive resume. <laughs> yes. Very. My name is Delaney Kemp, and I am a senior in kinesiology. It's kind of funny to say senior because I'm only in my third year here. <laughs> I'm a freshman on the track, senior in school. Um, but I study kinesiology on a pre-health track, and I'm going to study clinical mental health counseling in grad school. I'm also on the cross-country and track teams, and that was a huge pull factor for me to come to K-State. But this is my family school, so it's a big honor to get to run for the school that my family comes to and get a degree from here and be set up to go to grad school. Ah. <laughs> so for those listening, um, I know Cassidy and Delaney pretty well. We're all teammates, pretty much neighbors. Um, so these intros, I already know. <laughs> no, <it's not laughs> you, but for those not listening, um, we're we know each other pretty well, but well, I'm going to ask a question. What, what events do you all do on the track team? I think you said cross country. Did you say I am also cross country and track right. and then we're both kind of more middle distance in tracks, so like 800 miles. Yeah. Anything that makes your legs hurt the most. Mm-hmm. As I say, 800 miles, not middle distance. Yeah. So, um, I guess the purpose of this episode is to talk about mental and emotional well-being. This is our second episode of our student story series. We're just kind of hearing students share their stories about their journeys to mental and emotional well-being. So to kind of get into the 
roots of kind of what we're talking about. Do each of you maybe want to personally define what you think mental or emotional well-being is to you? Yeah, mental and emotional well-being, it's a very complex thing. So I think it's hard to define. But for me, it is making sure that I'm functioning at the highest level that I can and not letting things that could be controlled or managed better not get in the way of my highest functioning self. Um, Me and Cassidy were kind of talking about this before we came in, but um, I think she had a good definition too. Yeah, so I think same, but also just having the ability to healthfully cope with everyday life stressors and then just like an overall general feeling of contentness. I don't think it has to be happy all the time, but just the ability to be content with where you're at and then, yeah, healthfully cope with things and not turn towards those unhealthy coping mechanisms that give you that kind of short-term relief, but don't necessarily help in the long-term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Definitely. agree. I think being mentally and emotionally well doesn't necessarily mean everything's always going perfect, mm-hmm. but just, yeah, coping with those things well. I really The resiliency factor, like having that resiliency to, to bounce back when something does, I think is when you say that, that's where my mind first goes to is just resiliency and, and having healthy resilience mm-hmm. to bounce back. Because we're all, everything... We're going to face hard times no matter what we're doing, no matter, you know, if it's school, life, sports, whatever it is. But like you said, that healthy coping mechanism to bounce back. Mm -hmm. So important. And I think um, we're coming out of a pandemic, too, Mm -hmm. you know, and that resiliency, we're going to need to make sure that people know what that is and how to use that kind of stuff. So I like to say that. That's a huge predictive factor of success, whatever that looks like for someone is resiliency Mm -hmm. and grit. And so I, I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, so would each of you guys mind sharing why do you guys think mental emotional well-being is important or like why should people care? I think recently this has maybe come up a lot more, mm-hmm. um, maybe like social media wise has become a little more um, know, relevant or like the conversations opened up a bit more mm-hmm. um, for maybe people who don't or aren't maybe paying attention to that. Why should people care about their mental and emotional well-being? So I think at least in my personal experience, I've found that just society and the people around me put so much emphasis on like physical well-being. And there's this notion that diet and exercise equals health without regard to all of the other areas of well-being, like mental, emotional, social, Mm -hmm. etc. But I honestly believe that like mental and emotional well-being is kind of the foundation of the rest of your well-being. And if that's not up to par, then nothing else can be. And so when we don't address that, we don't even have the ability to have any other sort of well-being. Yeah, I love that it's becoming a conversation and I would love to see communities go to doctor's appointments for mental health, just like they do for um, physicals. I think that's so interesting being in high school. I never got screened for mental health um, problems or difficulties, maybe just because it wasn't a conversation. But I think that's been a huge thing for me coming to college is we do screen for things like that. And it does mean a lot when our providers here at Lafine take the time to screen us or they recognize those key words of, oh, I feel helpless or I'm fatigued or I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. It does not have to be a big 
thing, it can feel really small to you. Um, but once those small things become big things or last too long is when your mental health can can take a turn and that's just like if you were to twist your ankle and you never take care of it you know it's always gonna hurt and it's only gonna get worse so I think that's why it's important that it is a conversation and that people are talking about it and why we should care about our mental health just like our physical health I love that you said that Cassidy yeah I think yeah the whole idea that like physical health and nutrition heals all. It's like, mm-hmm. that's kind of baloney. <laughs> like that. yeah. um, so I, yeah, I think that's, a, there's a huge emphasis on that. And I like how you kind of got to the road of like, does that heal all? Like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so in terms of being college students, like, what do you guys think um, maybe are the, you know, college is one of the, maybe the biggest stressors mm-hmm. of maybe a young adult's life. You have, you know, you're taking out a huge investment in paying for college, like super expensive. You've got, you know, high stress of, um, academics. Then you throw in the mix. You guys are both student athletes. Like that's a whole other realm of maybe pressure or, um, expectation or just time commitment. How do you guys maybe manage those things? Or like, what are, what are things that can maybe make being a college student hard in terms of your mental well-being? Mm-hmm. Just we are tested all the time, whether that's preparing for a test or getting an assignment turned in or presenting ourselves to, you know, our parents when we go back home. And what are people thinking of me or I'm supposed to be furthering my life and finding a job and making money moves and all of these <laughs> things? I think there's all these perceptions about what's supposed to happen when you're in school and you have an idea of what you want it to look like while you're doing it and what it's supposed to look like when you're done. And I think for me, it's just like kind of rolling with the punches, like it's going to change and um, never really putting a label on things and making, not pushing too hard if something's not supposed to look the way that I originally thought it would. I don't know about you, Cass, but. Yeah, absolutely. I think to go along with that, so many people say like college is the best four years of your life. It could be. <laughs> and I think it can be, but I think I also don't really like that saying because that's <laughs> just assuming that the rest of my life is going to be downhill from here. Um, and so kind of taking away that expectation as well. Mm-hmm. But I think at least when I arrived at K-State, my entire identity and worth and value revolved around my performances and what I did. So my performances on the track, my performances in the classroom, how well I succeeded and achieved and all of those things rather than like who I actually was as a person. Mm. So I think being able to separate what I do from who I am has been a really big help for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And just like prioritizing the things that I'm here for, but also recognizing that I'm a human and that I'm allowed to basically just allow myself to enjoy my life (laughs) rather than just working myself into the ground, if that makes sense, I guess. Uh So really just separating that, taking care of myself so that I can do the things that I want to do. Yeah. And I think about the long term, like in the short term, things seem super hard and like you can't get through them but you have to think about yeah it is four years or five years and maybe Mm -hmm. I want to go to grad school and that so it's just kind of like you're in it for the long haul and you need to keep that in mind so don't ever be so hard on yourself in one season 
Yeah, and stop comparing yourself to other people. <laughs> I know like, that's the easiest thing said rather than done, but mm-hmm. I think that's another thing that I've really has really changed my time just in general. But in college, I think I came in comparing myself to everyone around me. Everyone was new. I was trying to live up to all these expectations I had for myself. And it wasn't until I finally stopped trying to be other people and just learned how to be okay with being myself that like I think everything changed. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We did. So there, we just were on a panel or our office did a panel for social media week here at K-State. And we talked about the fear of missing out, you know, and how social media can cause this fear of missing out. But something when I was talking to students that I picked up on is for some, there's this fear of saying no. And what, (laughs) what I mean by that is, I talked to quite a few students and they have this like certain amount of fear that if they say no to something now mm. is how's that going to impact me in the future? Like if I'm trying to get into grad school, if I'm trying to get a job, yeah, some chronic yesism. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, I'm going to say, so I'm, I'm going to pass on, op- on, an, on an opportunity. Am I going to regret that? Because it may mm. help me get into grad school or get the job. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's something that I've noticed with some, with a certain population is being spread across a lot of things and only being able to give a small percentage of your time to it for a or a population that seems more acceptable than being part of a few things mm-hmm. and giving more time and having more depth to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just call it the fear of saying no, I you like know, that. people don't, they, they have this fear that if I pass on this opportunity, where is it going to kind of come back to bite me later? And it's a hard thing to get over. And in the professional world too, you know, it's really, that can be a really hard thing to get over. Um, but I thought that was really interesting when I was like in fear of missing out, but also this fear of saying no. Yeah. Like you can be an inch wide and a mile deep and I would much rather be that than a mile wide and an inch deep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. But that's so hard because then you have to figure out what those things are that you're going to dive into and mm-hmm. what you value most. I like what both of you guys said about that expectation thing too. There's mm-hmm. like going into college, it's almost this expectation of like, this is my time to figure everything out. Like my parents are probably like, what are you doing after college? Everyone at home's like, what's next? What are you doing? And what if, you know, you can't, you're not sure, or, you know, you're figuring that out. You're figuring out what you want your future to look like. It's kind of a stressful time. Like how do you know, manage those expectations? Um, right. You know, staying within yourself instead of being like, what does everyone expect of me to do? Instead of just, you know, looking like, what is it that I want to do? who cares what everyone's thinking like I just need to stay true to what I want I think that's a great point I'm not even kidding when I was in college and I don't this isn't the the example to follow I will say (laughs) but I would not I I bet I changed majors like 12 times Mm -hmm. had no idea what I I went through an advertising phase (laughs) oh maybe graphic design maybe I want to be I went through the history phase a teacher all that kind of stuff um and it really stressed out my folks. Like they were like, what are you doing? Um, And why are you doing this? And then I found social work when I here at K-State, Dr. Betsy Cobble, I saw her speak and I was like, this is what I want to do. And then what I told people was that made school made sense then. Like I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is what I want. And you know, I didn't have a whole lot of math as a social worker, which (laughs) is really attractive to me because I'm not a big (laughs) fan of math, but, um, but yeah, like, People question that, like you trying to find yourself and things like people, sometimes people think you need to have a direct path on how to get to where you need to go. And if you kind of just mosey around again, there's boundaries within that as well. But you start getting questions from people like, what are you doing? And, and 
thankfully for me, I was like, I don't really care. I'm going to try this. Uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, there is that pressure. You got to have a direct path and, and people, and you feel that pressure pretty heavily a lot of times. Yeah. yeah you're expected to know at like 17 or 18, what you want to do the, for the yeah, rest what? of your life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of us have had this conversation I mean, mm-hmm. outside of the podcast of like, what do we do? What are we doing this summer? Like, right. mm-hmm. is this our last summer before we work the rest of our lives? Do we mm-hmm. want to do grad school? Where mm-hmm. are we doing it? You know, yeah. we're, you know, Cassidy and I are 50 years and we're still figuring yeah. that out, you know, <laughs> have had lots of conversations about like, you know, is this what we want to do? And I mean, do, do you stay and compete another year? Same with you, mm-hmm. Delaney. You're like, you know, I have so much eligibility left. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, yeah, we almost all had this vision of like, okay, four years competing in athletics, finish our degree. Now, like, mm-hmm. you know, COVID happens, we're on our fifth year. And it's like that expectation. People are maybe like, you know, why, what are you guys doing? Or, you know, mm-hmm. do you know what you're doing? And it's like, you know, I'm figuring it out. And it's, it's hard, you know, looking in on the outside, um, you know, if you're not in the, in the grid of it, you know? Yeah. Well, and even on that, me and Cassidy were talking yesterday, just focusing on the people that know your story mm-hmm. and people that were in the grit with you, yeah. um, not worried about, you know, that random follower on social media, oh, what are they going to think if I don't actually do this? Or what will it look like if I do that? But what about those core people that have stood through it with you? that they know exactly why you made that decision and why you made that career change or major change or whatever. And I think that's a huge thing for me and my mental health is not worrying about the people that, you know, give five seconds to me in a day. Let's think about the people that have been with me through it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the people who really like should only, you should really only care about the validation. I mean, Technically, these don't even matter, but you know, you think your family, your maybe significant other, your close friends, like those should be the only people you really care what they think about you, Mm -hmm. you know, but it can be so hard. You know, it's like, why are we worried about what that person on my mom's Facebook is like thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot easier said than done to just shut that out. Um, And there's those pressures, but it's like, why are we trying so hard to like prove ourselves to these people who aren't even, you know, of high influence or impact in our lives? Right. And even on the flip side, just thinking about how there are people around us going through so much more than we even know and that they will ever let on. So if someone cuts you off in traffic or someone is, you know, not paying attention on campus or I don't know, like I've seen people crying on campus. Like you just really don't know what people are going through. So just also reciprocating that to the people around you. Like, well, I don't want people to judge me like that. So I'm not going to do it. And then I just like hope that someday that like community of understanding with the conversation of mental health being so much more open, that'll just follow. I really hope. Yeah. It's like, no one knows what's going on with my whole story. I hope Mm -hmm. they aren't judging from the outside. So it's like reciprocating that, like, I'm not going to do that to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And because of that, like whatever someone thinks about you or says more about them than it does about you. Yeah. Like it says Mm -hmm. more about their fears and their insecurities than it actually does about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cass, I like what you mentioned earlier, kind of about that identity situation. We've, Mm -hmm. again, we've talked about this a lot. Um, And I kind of want to dig into that a little bit, being student athletes. And I think if people are listening with whatever you're involved in, whether it's athletics or, you know, your fraternity, sorority or organization, whatever it is, like, let's kind of delve into that, like the identity situation. I think at least in this, sometimes this environment can be 
you know, you feel really externally validated by how you're performing. It's like, oh, if I'm if I'm a good student, if I'm running well, like everyone loves Macy or everyone loves Cassie, everyone loves Delaney, you know, um, how do you like manage, you know, separate your sense of self? It's like to be sure you're not like, OK, I feel good about myself because I'm performing well. What's kind of perspectives on that, navigating that struggles with that, anything like that. So. Yeah. So I guess, like I said, when I arrived here, my entire identity worth life was being an athlete, being a straight A student. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you asked me, I still struggle with it now because of that. But if you asked me what my hobbies are, I couldn't have told you anything outside of that. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I didn't recognize the negative effects that this had on my mental and emotional well-being because I just thought I was being dedicated. I thought I was doing what I needed to do. I just truly viewed my worth and who I was as a person to be dependent on how well I competed and I performed on the track and in the classroom. And because of this, I had such great anxiety over not living up to that. And so I turned to unhealthy coping mechanisms to relieve that anxiety And for me personally, that was restricting food, isolating myself, avoiding social situations, and just like 24-7 intrusive negative thoughts. So it wasn't really until I hit like a total breaking point of like, I can't live this way anymore Mm -hmm. that I started to turn out of that. Um, So I, I eventually ended up like reaching out for help and getting that. And so... Since then, I've just been so much better able to remove myself from, like, I guess, remove my worth from what I do and just know that no matter what changes, like, that doesn't change me as a person, that doesn't change my value, that doesn't change my worth, and that, like, the things, I'm not worthy because things are going well in my life, Mm. but now I've gotten to a point that, like, Things I can make things go well and I can find the positive in things because I am worthy. Yes. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So a question, was it, was it, you know, when you said that you, you kind of hit that breaking point, was it an internal, something internal in yourself or was there something external? Or was there somebody that kind of helped you come, come around to that realization or that helped you maybe think, okay. I can't keep going on this way. Was it more internal or is there like somebody that kind of helped you come to that realization? Yeah. So I was in denial for years. Um, and it, it wasn't that I thought I was perfect. I guess I definitely didn't, but I could not fathom the idea of other people knowing that I wasn't. Mm. So it was actually, it kind of happened at the beach one summer and the beach is like my favorite place ever. <laughs> But I was crying like every single day. I was miserable. And I eventually realized I am like, I, everything that I want, I have right now. And yet I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of then that I knew something had to change. But (laughs) that wasn't enough for me. So I went (laughs) a few more months. And then once it started to really negatively impact my performance, that's when I reached out for help. So you can kind of see where my priorities lied at the time. (laughs) And so then I did reach out to one person and kind of 
without fully explaining my situation because I still wasn't comfortable with that. I just gave them one little nugget that would then trigger me to be referred to someone else. And then from there I was pointed towards more resources and more resources. So I think at the time you don't really know what you need and it's really overwhelming all that's out there. But if you can just talk to one person, just open up to one like qualified, trusted person then like they can kind of find you the help you need, which is what works for me. Well, and the reason I ask is because we were kind of talking about it. You know, if you allow somebody the grace to be vulnerable or you allow, you give somebody your time that maybe you think, Hey, I want to see check in and see how this person's doing. You never know when you may be that turning point for somebody, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you never know. And, and, and it could be something that maybe you do all the time just say, Hey, how are you doing? And if someone says, I'm oh, not that great actually stop and saying, well, what do you mean? Not that great. And right. being authentic and in, in, in that present in that moment to ask, you know? And so that's why I ask, like, we never know when we're going to, we could be that person that is there for somebody else to give them the motivation to say, Hey, I want to, you know, I need some help or it doesn't even have to go to that whole like professional help. Just someone I know when I vent and when I talk to people, sometimes it makes me feel a lot better, you know? So that's why that's, that's the whole reason to ask is, you know, cause we never know when we're going to be that person for somebody. <laughs> Cassidy's that person. <laughs> I was just talking on the phone with her yesterday because I just sent her a text and I was like, I'm in my thoughts. Like I need you to, you know, nothing dangerous, nothing crazy, but I just was like, gosh, it would be really nice to have someone to talk to right now. And like Cassidy's always been someone that's been awesome on our team to do that for people. Mm-hmm. And well, first of all, thank you. Love you. <laughs> I want you to finish your story. Um, no, but I couldn't have been that person of two and a half, three years ago. Mm-hmm. And you only say that I am that person because you got to college after I had started figuring all of this out. <laughs> um, but I think it takes, it took me owning my own struggles to be able to allow space for other people to feel safe around me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, at the time I was unable to talk about any of this. I, you were talking about how great the Lafine surveys are. I lied every single time. (laughs) I could not, Mm -hmm. I could not admit that anything could be even slightly off. And so yeah, being able to do that has opened up so many other things and so much space for other people to share. And now here I am and I have no shame. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you guys have being teammates with you guys. I think you guys have done a good example of opening that up. I think on our whole team, I think mm. in this athletics world, sometimes it seems like, well, if you're not perfect, it seems weak, you know, like, you mm-hmm. know how practices yeah. we're tough, we're strong. Like I can get through anything. Like yeah. I don't need help. I can get through this run. I can get through whatever, just that like athlete mentality mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people have on our team. It's just that like, I can gut it out. Like I yeah. am tough. That's the athlete mindset. And I think it's hard to say like, actually, like I'm not perfect in this. Like yeah. admitting that seems weak. Like, well, that was I, my breaking point. Yeah. I just could not do that anymore. Like we can almost compartmentalize our practices into like 20 to 30 minute hard chunks you know, even if we're on a mileage run, uh, at least there's a light coming up. I can take a little mm-hmm. five second break or whatever. <laughs> or, oh, I know I'm only going to be going around the track, you know, this fast for this long. And I'll have this long until I get a breath and can you know, regroup or whatever. And for me, I like broke the biggest bone in my body. <laughs> it's really hard to break your femur. And I did it. <laughs> I just pushed and pushed and pushed. So, um, And then you 
surround yourself with people like Cassidy, like Macy, like people at Lafine um, or in your student orgs on campus and you get plugged in and you remember that you're more than, you know, your one I one or two identities, student and runner, you know, student athlete. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes it was athlete student and I needed to flip that. So, yeah. Um, like I said, you two, a big reason why I really wanted you guys to be on this podcast is because I think you've each been open about um, your maybe struggles with mental health or just like advocating for like the importance of, mm-hmm. you know, almost just being aware, you know, if someone on the team, I've seen it, you know, when people on the team are struggling, it's almost like, how you doing, bud? You know, like, Mm -hmm. and I think it's helped create a better like culture on our team of like saying like, it's okay if you're struggling and like, we can talk about it. Whereas, I mean, there's, I've been on teams in the past where that's not been the case. It's like, you're struggling, you're weak. Like you can't, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so I really think you guys have done a good job of opening up those conversations and making it seem like it's okay. Like, let's figure this out. Like we want to you want everyone on this team to be them be- their best selves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of wanted to go into kind of what you said about that idea of being perfect. You know, I think it's hard maybe if you're not in this this exact situation of college athletics, like the, you know, you can kind of get sucked in easily to this, like, I have to be perfect. You know, we're all trying to get that competitive edge maybe. Like, I want to run as fast as I can. I want to be the best student I can. So it's like, I'm going to get more sleep but then it can become this like slippery slope of like, I'm going to sleep perfect every night. I'm going to eat perfect every day. I'm going to not go to the social event because I got to, I got to rest and focus. So how do you manage, you know, trying to be the most elite version of yourself when there's that added mix of athletics performance in there, you know, besides school alone, but like that added Mm -hmm. element of like, I'm trying to be like, take every inch to be the best athlete that I can be. But how do I do that while still, you know, doing it in a sustainable way? Like, obviously, any of us could lock down and be like, I'm going to eat perfect. I'm going to do everything perfect. But like, that doesn't that's not very sustainable and like Mm-mm. isn't very healthy to be like, I'm shutting everyone out and I think can be very susceptible to athletes. I mean, I've yeah talked to I think Cass about this. I've, I think I've teetered that line of like, I'm tunnel vision mode. I'm running as fast as I can, like mm-hmm. neglect every other area of your life. And like what? that has super negative effects. It's like, okay, now I've neglected my family. I've neglected my relationships. How do you manage that? Like you're trying to be your best self in whatever it is, but like not being perfect, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's taken me a really long time to figure this one out. (laughs) I think obviously perfection is an illusion. And it's also taken me a really long time to figure that one out and let like fully accept that. I think, at least for me, trying to achieve perfectionism just would, was, is always harmful because it's never going to be good enough mm-hmm. and you'll never reach perfection. And so same thing, you end up, like you said, shutting out other areas of your life, neglecting other things. And so I think figuring out how, I mean, like they say, a happy athlete is a good athlete. Like you perform your best as an athlete, as a student, whatever you're doing when you're happy. And so if in your pursuit of becoming a great athlete or whatever it is, you're then harming every other area of yourself, you're not actually going to get there. And so figuring out how to foster 
just more like positive things in other areas of your life so that you have something to fall back on too. So that that one thing you're going after isn't everything that if you don't reach that, you will still be okay because you have other things going for you and because you are worth everything regardless of what what, what you do. Yeah. And so just kind of figuring out how, I guess just to like live in accordance of your values. Um, Because I think for most of us, if you have a goal and you get sucked into that, the, what it takes to reach that is not going to be in accordance of your values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's such a glimmer. Like we're only here for four or five years. So I don't want to, get so deep into being a student that I forget, you know, how to have a social life and how to go into career or move to a different city, meet new people, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I think just surrounding yourself with a social network of people like Cass, I was just thinking if you kept shutting yourself out from social situations, like I would never get to know you on the level that I do. And, same thing if I did that, you know, and that's a loss for both people. That's a loss for everyone else on the team. That's a loss for everyone you're in school with. Um, just like anytime someone lets you in enough to say, and it day's not going good when you say, Hey, how are you? If they say not great, um, then you were just given an opportunity to step in a little bit deeper with that person. And that could mean all the world to them. And that's what, you know, Cass has done for me. That's what other people on campus have done for me. And my freshman year, I got so deep into, you know, my identity as a student athlete that I wasn't finding friends on campus and I wasn't finding friends within my student orgs. And I like, we went home for COVID. COVID was my freshman year. So I got a couple months of regular college life. That was your freshman year? Yeah, that was my freshman year. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Cass and Macy are two years older than me. Yep. So Still graduating at the same time. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went home for COVID and I kind of like reassessed. I had a broken femur. I was figuring out how depressed I was and have been for a long time. And I realized I had, like Cass was saying, I had everything. Like, why did I feel like this? And I had all these friends or people that I could be friends with that I just wasn't going that deep with. It was really shallow and it was really selfish. And I made a decision to come back to school and, um, go deeper and to share my story and to be an advocate for people. I mean, like I stepped on the starting line for cross country because it was kind of a free season. Like I wasn't ready to run, but it wasn't going to count against eligibility because of COVID. So coach was like, go on out there, run as hard as you can. And I was so embarrassed because I was not fit. I was not ready to go. And I was like, you know what? People can know what happened to you. You don't have to be perfect. You can tell them, oh, I had this huge injury. But apart from that, I had a huge brain injury. You know, like if we would look at mental health in a way that is like a physical injury, then I could look at someone and say, hey, I just found out that I have a real depressive disorder and it's 
really hard and I'm on medication for it, you know, and instead of being like, oh my gosh, like you couldn't, you know, just go through it or get enough treatment that you can just let it be a season in your life. Well, Hey, no, actually this is a thing in my family. You know, maybe if we, this was a conversation, you could realize that it's a little bit more common than you think. So, um, you know, I ran that first cross country meet and it was so embarrassing. I got last place. The gator was on me. Like the gators, the cart in the back. And that was embarrassing. Thankfully it was a small meet. So there weren't a lot of people in there. So it's okay that I got last, <laughs> but just the same way that I just admitted that I got last. Like I used to not do that because I didn't want to let on to that identity any, thing. Yeah. too. Like I got last in my, am yeah. I not worth as much or something? Right. But there are 24 girls in that race, <laughs> all division one athletes. Um, and you know, I was just proud that I put my uniform on and that I came back to school and that I was getting the help that I needed. And fast forward a year and a half later, I wish I was, you know, my freshman self hoped that I'd be a little bit further along than I am, but at the core of it all, I'm really proud that I'm finishing my degree and that I'm still running and that I fought through it. And, um, now I can have that conversation with people. And I thought it was going to make less of me, but instead it made more for other people because it gave them a space to ask me questions, to examine themselves and, you know, kind of, Oh, Hey, wait, that's not normal. I shouldn't feel like that. No, like actually there's freedom and you can find that and there's help and resources on campus. Well, when you say that, like you said it a couple of times and I can't, I can't agree more when I talk about mental health and physical, I, I, I talk about healthcare. Like I want to get to the point to where we're just talking about healthcare, Yeah, you know, and I know there are, there are places where we do have to distinguish mental health versus physical health. Right. But when I try, when I talk to people, I just talk about healthcare cause it's taking care of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's a, some of the small things we can do to help maybe reduce some of that stigma, but it's, you know, we're just talking about healthcare. Yeah. How can you take care of yourself so that you feel good or feel better? Right. You know, and, and we, you know, in a lot of areas, we want to make sure that people know it's a mental health or physical. Like, there are a lot of areas where it's just health care. Healthcare. And you guys have both hit on it so much how one area, and we'll call them our areas of well-being, whether mm-hmm. that's physical, emotional, financial, community. One of them or one of those areas gets a little bit out of sync. Yeah. How it just can bleed over into the other areas. Right. You know, and so that's just another argument I make for this is just taking care of ourselves, taking yeah. care of our health. And, and so it, it, you get it. And that's just, that's kind of exciting for me because you sit in a room with people that understand that it's phenomenal. And so like I said, th- just let's look at it as healthcare. Yeah. I think a lot of people get it. I want people to feel comfortable mm-hmm. talking about it. So I love this conversation and you know, like even months after I was on crutches, they're like, well, aren't you ready? Like, why aren't you running yet? And I'm like, well, and I was scared to talk about it. Now, if I would have started talking about it sooner, people probably would have understood and maybe would have connected with me. But now that I know that, that if, you know, something else comes up or I see an opportunity to talk to someone about, Hey, like I've noticed you've been, you know, retreating from social situations, or I notice that you throw up before tests, you know, like that's not normal. And there are things we can do to help your anxiety, your depression, your, you know, panic, whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It doesn't have to get in the way of everything, but there's like a fine line of like how much we should have to go through on our own and what we can ask for help for. 
Um, Chris, I thought of this. You mentioned this earlier in the office about how that standard for sometimes student athletes can be applied to other mm-hmm. areas of life. Do you want to explain that a little bit? I want to kind of hear. So I'm going to start out from the academic side. So I've worked in a, you can see where I'll take it with sports, but so what I've noticed is like, so sometimes we take students that are in the classroom that are like high achieving in the classroom. Maybe they have mm-hmm. a high academic IQ. And so I look at it, it's like, so this person is getting straight A's, a 4.0. I expect that person to have that same level of, I'll call it maturity or that same level of development in all aspects of their life and mm. their social aspects and their ability to build relationships. And sometimes that's unfair because everything develops at a different mm-hmm. rate. And so what I was saying with, with Macy was with student athletes, you know, I'll take a student athlete that you watch them perform and you guys are all division one athletes. I can only imagine how much, how many hours you've put into training. You know, <laughs> I always think about anything anybody is good at. They put in so much work. Like I, people, this is a weird saying yoga whippy. You only get out what you put in. I firmly <laughs> believe. I like to thank Mrs. Winter, my eighth grade algebra teacher for teaching me that. <laughs> But anything we, anything we work really, really hard at, we've had to put a lot of work in, but we'll like, we'll look at, we'll talk about athletes. Like we watch division one athletes and you all go out and you perform and you are been training, you've been working and we see you succeed or we see you doing well, or even the fact that we see someone that's a division one athlete, we expect that they are going to thrive and, and, and achieve in every aspect of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, when, like I just said, everything develops at a different pace for everybody. And so sometimes there's some unfair expectations placed on people based off of how they achieve or how, you know, um, they've worked or, you know, whatever situation they're in. If they're doing well in that area, we just assume, oh, they've got everything else figured out. And that's not the case all the time. That's that whole assumption thing. And that can get us in a lot of trouble. And I think about, you know, I think about my own self, you know, I'm like, man, um, I do some things really, really well. There are other areas I don't do really, really well in, and that's fine. As long as that whole mindset, you know, we can continue to get better having that growth mindset. And so that's really hard, I think, for some folks when it comes to, like I said, in the classroom with athletics, with anything, we see publicly what they're really good at. And we're like, oh, they're going to be good at everything. And we put, and then we place that expectation on them. And maybe if they come up short of our expectations, then it's easier for us to judge them. And judging people is not a great thing ever. So um, I hope I captured that, Mason. Yeah, um, I like that. Just that um, idea of like, yeah, if you're you're doing great on the track, it's like, well, gosh, is she struggling as a student? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's wrong with her? She's doing great on the track. You know, those um, those errors in like judgment, and then it can become that pressure of like, I have to be perfect in everything. Like, mm-hmm. I'm doing perfect on the track. I have to be perfect on the that idea of perfection that like isn't real, but that can become that like. Um, I think you'd mentioned, uh, you know, a football player, like he might do an interview and I'd be like, he's a great player, but that was a terrible interview. You know, mm-hmm. like what? He should be a perfect interviewer. He's a great, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. student. or like our student body president. He has to be really good in school and he has to show up at social events and things I'm like, oh my gosh, does he get to turn off? Yeah. You know, things like that. Totally. Yeah. Like, and just that, are we able to disconnect, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, in terms of your guys's, um, you know, journey with mental and emotional well-being. would you just kind of want to give, I know we've dove into some of this, but just give a little briefing of like maybe where you'd say your mental health was. Um, I know we've covered some of this, but just like mm-hmm. how you got to where you are now, whether it was getting connected on campus, whether it was, yeah, those referrals, um, anything like that, mm-hmm. just kind of how you've gotten to a place. So maybe if students are listening, like what steps can you take? How can you maybe 
get the ball rolling if you're, I don't know where to start, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it took reaching out to one person. And then from there I was um, referred to a dietitian. And from there I was referred to a therapist. And from there I was referred to medication. And I think, you know, I don't say that to (laughs) make you think that if you reach out to one person, you're going to be sent everywhere, but just that Mm -hmm. when you reach out to one person, they can help you find the, the help you need. And that also there's no shame in using any of the resources that are going to help you have a better quality of life or get to where you're trying to be. So that was kind of my start. I'd say therapy was huge for me and just changing the way that I think about life and about myself and then just continuing to work on like challenging the negative beliefs that I have. I'd say also like social media, unfollow the people who feel, who make you feel bad about yourself, who you're comparing yourself to follow people who, um, have like just more are more diverse in bodies and abilities and what they're doing things like that just to get you out of your own head of like this is what I am supposed to be and realize that there's so much more out there than that um and then just being like open about my own struggles I think that I know I say I I reached out for help and it all changed from there but it wasn't for another year that I started to talk openly about it and that really opened other relationships up for me and that I think is was huge for me just knowing that basically allowing myself to be seen mm-hmm. <laughs> allowing other people to see me as the human that I am and the non-perfect broken person that I am that we all are mm-hmm. and being okay with that mm-hmm. and then from there I was able to build true relationships and have been able to foster that so much more and that has been huge. Yeah. I love that. And I like to, I like the saying you're allowed to take up space, mm-hmm. whether that's with your words, with your time, with what you want to do with your body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so knowing that you're allowed to take up space and for me to answer your question, we see there were just people around me that like called me out. They're like, you're not okay. And I feel super lucky that it was an extreme situation for me in that one of my friends, our old teammate invited me to live with her over the summer. And this was also with Macy COVID life. And, um, she was like, Hey, I'm, I don't mean to say this to offend you. I'm trying to give you a safe space and not that being home wasn't safe for me. It just wasn't conducive to uh, take the time and have the space that I needed. And she was like, we have a roommate who's not going to live here and it would help her a lot, help her out a lot if you subleased from her financially. (laughs) Um, And then also like you could get back into the running scene with us, with teammates And, um, I'm so, so glad that I did because I isolated myself within that house that she invited me in and it took her coming downstairs and knocking on my door and having me come upstairs. And I was really mad at her sometimes. I was like, no, like, I don't want to come out. I don't want to do this. You know, I just went to work for eight hours. Um, and I'm in a summer bio class, you know, (laughs) I don't want to. Um, and then also, having those people around me enough to 
see me relapse. And I think that was the hardest part for me was I relapsed in my sophomore year after that cross country season that I thought it was a breakthrough for me. I got COVID and it was when the protocols were very strict. I was isolated in my room for 15 days. The person that I would be quarantining with got to go home. So I was alone. And, um, so, and I'm trying to think for these students or people listening that might not have like a huge crew of people around them, like organically, we have a team around us. You guys pay attention to me. I pay attention to you, whether we realize it or not. So some ways to get connected are just get yourself out of your comfort zone and just like join those groups that you admire on campus. And even if you get rejected or they don't let you in, like, you know, you can die trying, you know, and you will find success within failure. And, um, for me, it's been getting on a schedule that's like, okay, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I get up out of bed and go to class. And on Tuesday, Thursday, I get up out of bed and I go to work. And these people are expecting me to be there. My professor takes role. And even if he didn't, maybe it's, hey, Dr. Petty. I love Dr. Petty. <laughs> I'm having a really hard time getting out of bed. And I think I'm, ha- I'm going through some mental health hardships. And I need you to check for me in the, in the crowd. And if I'm not there, can you email me? And we have allies on campus that will do that, you know? And then another thing was like, maybe I don't actually need a job, but I can get a, you know, an easy job on campus so I can meet coworkers and I can have a community. And gosh, I've only worked at Cornerstone Cafe for a couple of weeks now, but I just got invited to sushi night, you know, last <laughs> night. And that was huge for me. And I just kind of wonder how much that could help some people to just have this schedule, have these expectations and have people checking in on you. And it doesn't have to be a best friend. It could be a coworker, a professor. It can be someone, you know, academic achievement center, student success center, just find those people you can get connected with on campus, show up to office hours, even if it's not to talk about an assignment. I love that you brought that up because I feel so fortunate that we came to college with a team. Oh yeah. Like I think, I mean, that was already scary enough, like making friends, like new place. But it's like we already have like, I mean, basically a group of sisters, you know, to like. I wouldn't be here if you guys didn't pull me back up. Seriously. And like, I think that so much any of us, I mean, just between the three of us, when any of us have kind of had those ruts, like even just the two of you, if it's been me, if it's been you, like you guys have came to me like, hey, how you doing, Mace? Or like Mm -hmm. vice versa. Mm -hmm. There's been with everyone on our team, you know, and I feel so fortunate that we've had teammates and just almost like a built-in friend group from the start. Mm-hmm. And I like that you mentioned, like, not everybody has that, you know, so how there are other ways to get involved, whether it's reaching out to a professor, whether it's finding other groups, like find people to almost be around to be that like almost accountability check-in. Like if, yeah. if you're around people enough, they'll notice if things are, you know, like, okay, you see maybe a little off or like, how, how you doing? Like just checking in. I think that's super important because I think we don't realize how fortunate we are to have a built-in team that's really close who we can always tell like, Hey, so-and-so doesn't seem like they're doing okay today. Like you should go check on them on the run mm-hmm. or something, you know? Um, and they, like, and I'll say like, so um, center for student involvement here at K-State, Kelly Ferris is her name. Um, she's in charge of basically all of the clubs and organizations they have for students on campus. And she told me one time, it was really, I was talking to her about a student group. We got a couple student groups out of our office and, 
And I was asking her, like, you know, how do we get students involved? Like, mm-hmm. what? How do we help them build that community? Just what we're talking about. And she said that Ke- uh, Kelly said, you know, challenge students to join three groups in their college career. Mm-hmm. And one of them, she said, is something that can advance their professional career. Mm-hmm. You know, have them do one that's strictly giving back, and then at, tell them to join one that is like a passionary for that passion yeah. area for them. And I'm like, that's, and she said, let them know they don't have to be involved in all of them at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. um, they can enter and exit those groups how they want. And I thought, you know, that's really good advice to help build that community. Like, you know, an area that, that maybe I'm passionate about, I'll use music for me as one Mm -hmm. thing, you know, but there's vulnerability to that. Like introducing Mm -hmm. the older you get, the harder it is to make friends. I don't know if, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm older than, (laughs) but I think it has to do with that vulnerability of like, Mm -hmm. I may open up and somebody may not like me like, Mm -hmm. and, or Mm -hmm. maybe I can't get along, but, but if you find a passion area, you can kind of stack the deck in your favor because there's going to be other people there that have the same interest. And, and again, it's, taking advantage of some of those things that the university offers. Like I was just talking to a group of students about like orientation, like new student orientation Mm -hmm. and mixers where people can come and meet other people. Like we're going to on the quad or at at one of the, the um, residence halls. And, you know, I'll come from my group of friends when I was in college, like we're too cool for that. We don't need to go (laughs) to there now. Granted, I came from a place in Kansas. I had a group here, but I tell students like, go down, even if you're a little bit worried and open up a little bit and use some of those things. Cause in college we have some structured things that are yeah. for this, go down and, and talk to some folks and try to get involved. And, and, um, I, again, like that vulnerability piece, but going down and maybe stepping out of your comfort zone a little bit can yeah. be a huge dividends for folks. Yeah. I'm in student foundation and I work a lot with K-State proud mm-hmm. and I was telling the freshmen down on Anderson lawn, it was the weekend before school started, they were doing kind of just a, a big booth night. I guess everyone just kind of had their own booth and we were giving away stickers and laptop stickers. Mm-hmm. So everyone was you know, coming over to us. Oh, you have the laptop stickers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I couldn't really give them the K-State proud pitch because they were just trying to get the merch, you know, yeah. but if I could get one thing across to them, I was just celebrating with them. I was like, look at you guys. Like, you came out and you are meeting people like keep showing up to stuff. Like when you join a group on campus, just like go to all their stuff, just go to all their stuff. It might be a bust. It might be the weirdest thing you've ever done. It might be uncomfortable, but like maybe the people there Mm -hmm. think the same thing and you can laugh about it later. Like just show up to stuff, get out of bed. Like it sucks and it hurts sometimes. And I can't really ever explain that, like why it physically hurts to get out of bed sometimes. But I'm like, okay, if you at least have a familiar face that you know that you're Mm going to go to this thing with, I think is really um, invaluable. Yeah, that slippery slope of like almost you can get really isolated if you let yourself, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. and that's really hard to branch out and like get involved in those groups. Um, but do you guys each want to maybe say a little bit about, I know you just mentioned you're in student foundation, but maybe mention something else you guys are involved in, whether it's a job or something else you spend time working on Mm -hmm. outside of athletics. Yeah. Yeah. So I have not been as good as Delaney about getting involved in the community, (laughs) but, um, I, yeah, obviously have spent, a lot of time in school and athletics, like we've kind of talked about and kind of put too much focus in those areas and a lot of other areas kind of fell to the leeway. But 
um, in the last few years, I've had some really meaningful job opportunities that I really enjoyed. So um, right now I am working as a nutrition coach virtually for um, a like clinic back in my hometown. And that has been really fulfilling, kind of being that person that I needed when I was younger or, you know, even a few years ago. Um, and just really helping people use kind of nutrition to enhance their lives rather than get too nitty gritty with it. So that has been really cool for me. I see Cass after some of her consults or, um, meetings and she just glows after (laughs) them. Well, thanks. I do love it. Find Cass for future dietitian, (laughs) future dietitian needs. So yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'll plug K-State Proud. I love K-State Proud. We give back to students on campus that are in financial, unforeseen financial distress, giving them student opportunity awards. Um, and then I'm in mortar board and I work at, um, Hale Library at Cornerstone (laughs) Cafe. And that's just like a big passion of mine. I worked at Redina's during that COVID summer. That was a really good thing that got me out of bed. And, um, yeah, I learned a lot at Redina's. It's pretty busy. So I learned how to be a really good barista. And so I'm trying to like re- uh, resurrect my skills at Cornerstone. <laughs> I love that job. What's really cool. Like, so what you all are talking about and, and this, some people, I don't want this to sound over dramatic, but we've all heard like you go through a tough time, you have post-traumatic stress, right? Yeah. But what you all are talking about right now is post-traumatic growth. <laughs> like finding those areas to, to, to grow from a, a situation that, you know, may not have been ideal. And I, I can't say that I coined that term, but the post-traumatic growth, um, Cheryl Sandberg and Adam Grant wrote a book and it was about grief. It's called option B and it's about the grieving process, but they kind of, they talk about post-traumatic growth. And then when you get to a point in time where it's like, Hey, I went through this traumatic, uh, uh, event or incident or, or whatever it is time. Um, how can I grow from it? Mm-hmm. And like, that is a huge shift. I mean, that's something that I think we need to make sure that reason when you can get to that point, that's a really proud moment for people. Like mm-hmm. you need to own that and be like, I am super proud of it because it is, it, sometimes it's so hard to see, like we, we taught, you've talked about, like we've talked about COVID with a lot of people and something, a question that comes up is what have we learned from the pandemic that maybe wasn't just negative. And some people struggle with that because it is a really hard and it's really fresh. But getting that point to having post-traumatic growth where mm-hmm. it's like, man, I went through this and now coming and talking on a podcast, mm-hmm. telling people mm-hmm. to be involved and things like that, it, it's phenomenal. And so I, I want to say thanks because that's a huge turning point. And that's something that we need more of. And we need more people to recognize when we do have that post-traumatic growth, because when we recognize it, then it can foster more and mm-hmm. it can motivate other people to do the same thing. Yeah, I love that. Um, so for you guys, I know you're both kind of both planning to graduate in May. Um, yes. So big changes ahead, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of got settled into, <laughs> not just got settled, you're on years three and five, but <laughs> fairly settled into college and kind of feel like you have a good handle on your uh, mental and emotional well-being. How do you guys think, you know, looking ahead, you're planning to go to, you know, grad school, maybe move away next phase, maybe won't have this team environment anymore. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think are maybe things to keep in mind or tips to like, stay on top of your mental and emotional well-being amidst like a new change. You know, this is going to be a big challenge, might not have this community. How am I going to be sure I stay on track with the new transition? 
Yeah. And if you want to share what your future plans are exactly, okay. too. <laughs> like what, what you're planning to do right now. <laughs> Um, I'm not quite sure what my future plans are. I know um, that I am going to be studying clinical psychology or clinical mental health counseling. So I'm really excited and I felt so honored to be invited to talk on this topic because that is um, my passion in life. And I wish I knew that before I was really close to being done with a kinesiology degree. But, <laughs> um, but I would say... I am going to get plugged in with a church community. My faith is really important to me. I think really at the root of it, have something to believe in. Um, we don't have to believe the same things. Of course, I would love you to believe the same things that I do, but find a group of people that believe in what you do, um, whether that's your spirituality or just your career or what you're passionate about. Um, play music with people, you know, read books, do a book club. My mom is <laughs> so cute. She's in a dinner club called Culinary Queens. <laughs> so she'll be like, oh, I'm going out with the queens tonight. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> did a 50-year-old woman just say that? <laughs> so funny but that is like such a I'm so sorry mom that I said your age um <laughs> she's anyways um she looks forward to that and um there's something about sharing food with people that's really special um something that's kind of funny is just going on a drive with someone because you don't have to look at them you're talking <laughs> you're all both looking at something but you don't have to look at each other go on a drive with people um go to a movie or something and then take the next step with them hey do you want to go out to eat and sit across from each other you know even if it's just like little steps like that to meet a new group of people um and then a big thing for me is having um I was talking about the scheduling thing and having things to look forward to do that day, even if it's as simple as, hey, I want to start reading again um, now that I'm not forced to read certain stuff. Oh, I want to read for enjoyment. Well, every morning I eat a bowl of oatmeal, so I'm going to read five pages when I do that. Or um, I want to listen to a podcast. So when I'm in the shower, I'm just going to I'm already going to be showering. So I might as well be listening to something um, just like creating those healthy habits that keep you on track. And I think a big stressor for me is like when I don't do things that I wish I would have, um, whether that be as simple as, you know, washing my hair right after I <laughs> go on a run or um, folding my laundry right when it comes out of the dryer, like things like that will disappoint me later, super small things, but just like having the discipline to treat ourselves and to do what will make us feel better later. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I hope that made sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so I am off to Rutgers university Woo next year, for, uh, which is in New Jersey for anyone that doesn't know. Jersey girl. Yep. Very far from home um, to complete a master's and supervised practice in dietetics. So I'll be keeping that, um, you know, student identity, only losing the athlete identity. <laughs> no, we're working on moving away from those anyways. But yeah, I in a few short months will not no longer be an athlete, which is something I've identified myself as since I was like four years old. So as much as I try to prepare for that, I can't imagine how that will go. Um, but no, I think really just working on, again, removing who I am from what I do and finding other areas of my life to foster and realizing that, you know, I'm so much more than an athlete or whatever else you identify as. 
Um, I think like Delaney said, creating community, finding friends. Um, as an introvert, coming in on a team was the biggest blessing I could have ever had. So next year, I will for sure have to very much go out of my comfort zone and figure out, like, basically just relearn how to make friends because <laughs> I don't even know. Um, so I think that'll be really important, just surrounding myself with a group of people um, just so that, yeah, I think I just think community is so important. Um, so kind of creating that for myself next year will be good especially because I'll be across the country and won't know anyone. Um, it's the time to do it. Oh uh, Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then I think for me personally, a lot of times when things change in my life or I don't feel like I have control, such as, you know, losing that athletic identity or going to a new school, moving across the country, um, just like not feeling secure in myself, whatever it is, I typically try to control other areas of my life. And that usually ends up having negative effects for me. And so instead of doing that, I think just being really cognizant of addressing the actual feeling, mm -hmm. like, am I feeling lonely? Am I feeling unlovable or unworthy mm -hmm. or misplaced? Like, what am I actually feeling and how can I address that rather trying to rather than trying to channel those negative feelings and emotions into something else that is only going to be like an unhealthy coping mechanism long term. So really being proactive about that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is this like thing I like to call the pursuit of perception, mm -hmm. not pursuit of perfection, although <laughs> I uh, do that and need to work on that. And that's important to address, too. But. The pursuit of perception, so like this idea that we have that um, kind of we do things or don't do things based on how we think others are going to perceive us mm. or we feel things or don't feel things based on how we think others are going to perceive us. And so just letting go of that and realizing that my journey is my journey and like no one else has to understand or, you know, like basically like other people's opinions of me mean more about them than I do about me. And this yeah, is my life. And like yeah. everyone is more worried about themselves than they really are of you. They so. might have those same thoughts too. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That living for that, you know, perception. It's like, why are we so worried about the approval of others? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Easier said than done. Yeah. Like if you were, if you lived on a deserted Island and it was just you, what would you do? Yeah. You know, like yeah. No one else could ever see anything. You were, yeah. What would you do? Because do it doesn't thing. affect, yeah, you know, it doesn't affect other people anyway, you know, right. uh, yeah. I know. Um, okay. Final, um, question here. Then I have a couple of fun questions, okay. <laughs> but, uh, so for college students, kind of just like a brief takeaway, college students, maybe coming to K-State who are at K-State now, like just any kind of main takeaways or tips of just like, what would you recommend they do to stay mentally and emotionally well? You know, whether it's like, okay, my top goal is my top tip is community or whatever. Yeah. If you have a top takeaway that you think, um, students should know. Yeah. Go ahead, Cass. I think therapy Honestly, Ooh. if you don't think you need it, then Snaps you probably need it. I mean, I'm going into that. <laughs> I'm going to become one. <laughs> yeah. I think that everyone can use therapy. Honestly, even if you feel like you're doing well, you could use therapy. But then even if you don't, if even if you know that you're not doing well, I think therapy is so important and such a great tool. 
And even if you're only feel slightly impacted negatively, you're still like worthy and valid of seeking help and treatment. And like you don't need to wait for it to get really bad to yeah. go seek therapy oh, yeah. or any sort of treatment. And yeah, I think therapy can just really help challenge your like beliefs and the way you think about things and is probably the best tool that I had. So yeah. And just, sorry, um, yeah. <laughs> in college, we have so many resources where therapy is available and free to us and True. you will not have that after college. So <laughs> yeah. take advantage of that while you can. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about the healthcare idea, Chris, that you said, like, gosh, if we could just, oh, I'm going to therapy today or I'm going to go see my counselor. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, good job. Just like, oh, I'm going to go get my exam. Like mm-hmm. I always do. And like, we're always supposed to, um, on that topic that Cass brought up about how here at K-State we have free resources, super awesome. Like go use them now. That's honestly a huge anxiety I have about leaving college. <laughs> if I want to go get my personal statement looked at, there's someone there for free. Mm-hmm. Or if I want to go talk to someone, there's someone there for free, you know? Um, But there's also resources within lots of communities, especially in college towns like this, where people who are working on their practicum hours or in internship hours are employed or are partnered with um, practices in a community. So reaching out to whatever practice that might be, hey, do you have any um, services that are more available to lower income or you don't even have to be lower income. Hey, I just don't set aside money for treatment. I'm going to go get groceries and gas tonight. Do you have maybe an intern that could just talk to me and bring up these things that I just need to bounce off of someone, these ideas or what's going around in my head, just like casted for me last night when I called her on the phone. (laughs) Um, Some people just don't have that built in person for them. So there are resources in the community. Um, You just have to find them. And for me, it's, I just want to be happy and healthy. So like if I need to go on a walk, cause it's a 70 degree day out in February, I'm going to go to city park. I'm going to go on a walk and maybe it's canceling plans with someone or changing something and being like, Hey, like, instead of like sitting in the coffee shop, like I need to be outside. Like, can we go outside? Um, or I'm, I just want to go on an easy run today because that's all I can give today. You just have to be so in tune with yourself and it's a journey. Like I say this, like I understand myself and I don't, but maybe the pursuit of it is just enough to figure out what you need. I love that. Thank you guys. Um, I do have two kind of fun questions. Okay. End the pod. Um, first favorite place to eat in Manhattan. I sh- maybe should have briefed you on this, but oh my God. I, like I, the, I like the surprise. Yeah, I think so too. So. I have so many different ones for specific reasons. I know. I but yep, man, I'm just gonna have to plug Blue Stem because <laughs> I've eaten their whole menu. I've tried all their drinks. It's not good for my bank account. Please, I I've listened to the financial well being podcast oh, and I'm yes, just like, oh, I plug I've, if you haven't listened. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like. Man, I, you know, I just spend too much money at Blue Stem. <laughs> Favorite thing to get at Blue Stem? Mm, either sausage, pepper jack, burrito, mm-hmm. or the Highlander Grog drip coffee. Just, it's the perfect pairing. If it were my last meal on earth, I would really, <laughs> really take that into consideration. Right. Okay. <laughs> Cass. Yeah. She's so, looking something up. <laughs> well, I'm worried you're going to ask me what it was called and what my favorite thing to get there. Okay. Um, 
So Seoul, USA, the new Korean place in Aggieville. Okay. Oh, went for the first time a few weeks ago. I am ready to go back. It was absolutely amazing. I know where we're going for dinner. Um, I like worry about plugging this because I don't want it to be busy when I go there, but (laughs) so, so don't reveal good. I am trying to pull up the menu to remember what I got, but I don't know if I pronounced it correctly, but something it had like crispy rice because the, it was served in like this really hot bowl. And so this, the rice at the bottom got really crispy, which sounds so weird, but it was so good. And I, my mouth is watering right now, but yeah, Seoul, USA, but any coffee shop, amazing. Mm -hmm. So we have so much coffee here. Yeah. Do you have a favorite (laughs) coffee place in town? Mm. Cornerstone Cafe, Hill Library. We have to plug flight crew. Yes. Oh, our, yes. Our, our athletic Grace, advisor's yeah. sister just opened. Yeah. That. They have roastery coffee from yes. Kansas City. Yeah. So that's my. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just got the brother from another mother drink at oh, Brothers. We, yes. were, we were there that like good that too. Saturday. It was pretty good. It's a chai if you like yeah. the chai. You really can't go wrong. Just shop local, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, final um, question. So on Anna's episode, we asked her any, if she had any like savings tips. I know this doesn't totally go along with um, with this episode, but do you guys have any secret like saving tips for viewers, college students? You know, everyone's trying to save money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, any fun savings tips? Ooh. Anna's was shopping at Aldi. Yeah, <laughs> that is good. Buying off-brand. <laughs> Kroger. I uh, love Kroger brands and maybe that's just because I've been in college for long enough that I've only been eating Kroger, mm-hmm. but I like kind of like Kroger brand things better than name brand now. <laughs> Call me a college student. Like it doesn't end at college. I will tell you. <laughs> Kroger brand as well. So. Definitely a big Kroger girl as well. I think also when you're about to make a purchase, think about like, how about do I really want this? Or how about do I really need this? Mm-hmm. How much use will I get? Do I have something else that could, I could use in place of this and just not making like super impulsive purchases. Mm-hmm. I think that can definitely help produce things early. Definitely add up. Um, or second, ha- second hand, yeah. um, <laughs> dusty bookshelf, you can get second, second hand yeah. books and then big thrift gal you can really you can really um fill your shopping need by you have to be in goodwill for like two hours to find the good stuff and by the time you've finished you're tired so you're done shopping mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think yep that's well, Cass is really good at with this topic yeah. with her capsule wardrobe yes. that's a that's a conversation for another yes. day yes. but clutter, <laughs> we'll have you guys on another <laughs> yeah clutter gives me anxiety having too many things so let's just anxiety. snip in the bud yeah, so, <laughs> no clutter no anxiety <laughs> yeah i prefer to have less things and everything have a use and bring me joy you know yeah. little marie kondo yes. love yeah. it Man. good so i, I want to ask a question because music's real important to me so i want to ask both of you favorite music uh bleachers bleachers yeah, Coach will play it at the track sometimes, and everyone's like, what is this? This is not pump-up music whatsoever. And then me and Coach are just, like, dancing, having a good time. I love alternative music. All right. Okay, so. I have a very eclectic music. I mean, I, I have weird music I love, so. 
don't think that you're going to say anything that's going to be too far out <laughs> No, that's my issue is I'm a little mainstream. She wants to say Lizzo. I, okay. <laughs> Sorry, Cassidy, so, I just did that to you. No, I am, I would Not never ashamed. be ashamed of my Lizzo obsession. <laughs> um, yeah, Lizzo, Beyonce, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith. Mm. Having an eight-year-old, my daughter, the, you just named off her playlist. Yeah. Uh, some of it may be like kids bop stuff, but... Uh, <laughs> That is playing through the Bowman household a lot. I um, have no shame. No. <laughs> they are great for a reason. We are, we're big dancers in our household. Yes, well, not you. me, uh, the kids, they love to dance. And so, you know, um, Ed Sheeran, Lizzo, uh, it, it, those mm-hmm. are constant in our house. You're yeah. raising empowered children. Exactly. <laughs> Anything that makes you feel, I have to think about my words here. Worthy. But- yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> That's that. the word you used earlier. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, well, I just wanted to thank you guys so much for talking on the podcast. Um, I know I've known some of your guys' stories already, but um, I think this has been, hopefully will be really helpful for any college students listening or just regular people maybe looking to improve um, their mental and emotional well-being. Thank you guys for just, yeah, leaning into the process at K-State for, you know, taking advantage of resources um, and just being advocates like on our own team. Like I've seen it, you know, I've seen this like in action. I hope like other people can, I'm sure other people have people in their lives who are advocates for mental health and you can see the positive impact it makes. So I'm really glad you guys were here. Thanks, Mace. Um, yeah. Thanks for having us. Yes. We're going on a run together after this. We can debrief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Chris, thanks. if you have anything else. Thanks again. Like I said, the, the Macy said to lean into the process, wanting to, you know, um, being vulnerable, share some of your experiences and stories just so that it may give people it's, you know, it's maybe not a, a fix all, but gives people a starting point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives them a space. Exactly. And, and so I want to say thanks for, uh, for that. Um, and for representing K-State as just strong individuals. I mean, it's, it's, it is something that like, I think our, our community, our case, we have so many great people and, and, uh, at, at K-State students, faculty and staff and things. So, um, I'm just glad we got to showcase three of you. I'm going to put Macy in the category as well, but the three of you, because just through the, through the conversation, the authenticity, you guys were genuine. You can feel that this is something you all care about. And so, Uh, We need more people like that. So I want to say thanks so much for coming on and being a guest. Thank you. Thank you. 